The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. And with that, we're going to jump into the Word. So let's pray that God will continue to work on our hearts. We're staying on this subject of being in our story and working on our story because there's power in it. The Bible says they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, which what's a testimony? It's just your story of what you've seen, what you've witnessed, what you've experienced in Christ. And we know that that's powerful, that literally God says by the blood of the Lamb, that's what Jesus did, and then by the word of our testimony. Like they're right there, boom, in the same verse. Like there's that much power in us actually sharing what he's done to bring victory in our lives and the lives of others and overcome the work of the devil, which we know the devil's at work. We see all kinds of evidence all around us all the time, the chaos and the craziness going on in the world. And there is a way for us to win the battle and have victory, and it comes through our testimony. So, Father, I just pray right now as we get into your word that you will just open our heart, Father, to hear you speaking to us, to be stirred with faith, Lord, to share our testimony, to share our story, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Lord, let your word stir faith in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I talked last week about, you know, our testimony, really, a lot of times in the Christian uh, culture, your testimony is really about your before and after, right? It's like, okay, I was like this, and now I'm like this. Ta-da! Look what God did. Well, the problem with that is that it creates a false sense of reality, and that people think, boy, if I get saying like just a drunk to being like a totally sober guy that fixes all the drunk people like tomorrow, like next Sunday, I can start my fix all the drunk guys outreach. Boom, I'm ready to go. Or if I'm going from like my marriage is struggling and I give my life to the Lord, like tomorrow I'm going to have the best marriage. Boom. Maybe I'm struggling financially or maybe I'm lazy and I haven't had a good job and I keep on quitting jobs and I've never stuck with anything and I don't have any money and I'm struggling. But if I give my life to Jesus, tomorrow I'm going to become the manager of my whole company and make a lot of money because everything's before and after. Like I was like this and now I'm like this. Boom. Maybe I struggled with depression and now I gave my life to the Lord and tomorrow I've never been depressed again. Maybe I've had a struggle with, you know, some other type of issue, anger. But tomorrow, because I gave my life to Jesus today, tomorrow I'm never angry again. It's this before and after mode. I talked about how it's not really before and after. It's not really our true testimony or story. It's really before and during. Is that I've been saved by God, and now he is working to change me. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, my mind is beginning to change. I'm beginning to transform in my heart and in my life. And hopefully, if all is going according to plan... Next year, you will look more like Jesus than you do this year. And the year after, you look a little more. The path of the just goes brighter and brighter until the day that Christ returns. Right? In other words, we're becoming more and more like him. It's, it's changing. We're, we're becoming different. We're becoming better. It's, it's more like him. Sometimes, if you've ever been online and looked at the different like memes or funny stuff, you see people start to look like their dogs. Anybody seen that? Or the dogs start to look like their people? It's true. Be careful what kind of dog you buy. Make sure you want to look like them, right? Don't buy one of those dogs with like 12 chins and just like that has like no legs and just sits on the ground. You'll be looking like that in five years, right? Buy a good, like strong looking, beautiful dog that runs around. You're like, that. 
That's my plan. That's like my fitness plan. I'm going to buy a good-looking dog, and I'm going to be good-looking later, right? I bought a dog with a bunch of hair. It hasn't worked. We, but my wife keeps taking him in and getting him shaved and getting him trimmed down. I'm like, what are you doing? I want, him to, I want him to be hairy. I'm going to look like him. It's a change, but you change to what you're being around, right? You look like, well, in theory, we should become looking more and more like Christ. As we spend time with him, he spends time with us. And that we begin to change and mold and to look like that. And our story looks like that, but it's a process. And if we can be willing to have the vulnerability and the openness to admit that, hey, I am in process. I am not perfected. This is happening right now. Like I'm moving forward right now in Christ. Like I'm, I'm changing. He's working on me. Well, I don't see much evidence of that in you. Well, but, but it started right? It's planted. He's, he's changing me. I'm, I'm a little less angry. I'm a little less moody than I was. I'm a little more happy. I'm a little bit better father. I'm a little bit better mother. I forgive a little bit quicker, but you've had that grudge for 30 days. I used to keep him for 30 years. I got him down to 30 days now. Like I'm, I'm getting better. And just to admit that you are in process and it's okay, it does a couple things. One, it frees you up from having to be perfect, okay? Two, it frees you up from having to make everybody else be perfect. Because if I am trying so hard to be perfect, and then Alan comes in, and Alan's not perfect, well, that's frustrating. Because I'm trying so hard, Alan, to be perfect and make my life perfect, and you walk in and you're not perfect, now you're messing the whole thing up. Right? And so I just need you to get your life together so it makes me feel like my life can be together and we can all have. But if I just say, okay, you know, I'm in process, and it's okay. And then it's okay if Alan's in process. Well, see, now we can calm down. And we can just say, you know what? We're just thankful for what Christ has done in our life and what he's doing. And we're just thankful that he's at work in us. And I'm thankful. I can be thankful for the little things as I go along the way because I know that it's, it's getting better. It's changing. And think about this. The disciples had the privilege of spending time with Jesus one-on-one, like walking the earth, God in the flesh, healing people, raising the dead, turning one lunch into enough to feed thousands, having private conversations outside of the crowd, all of this like intense discipleship time. And three years in, they were still a mess. Peter's trying to cut off people's ears, and they're trying to, I mean, the, the whole thing's a mess. They went out to heal people and cast out demons. They come back having failed. Their tail between their legs, like, I guess that didn't work. What did we do wrong? They're going through the process. Yet the Bible opens it up and says, hey, these are, imagine like you're working with somebody and you're the mentor and you kind of want everyone to think you're a good mentor, right? So you want them to do well, right? Don't screw up because everybody knows that I'm your, I'm your disciple or I'm your mentor person and I want to look like I'm doing a good job. So don't screw up. And if you do screw up, just come talk to me. Don't tell anybody else you're screwing up because then they'll know I'm not very good at this, right? We can be like that. But the Bible opens it up to say, hey, Jesus, the ultimate disciple, the ultimate shepherd, the ultimate mentor, is sitting there mentoring these guys, and they're still screwing up. What kind of mentor and discipler is he? He just wasn't ashamed or embarrassed to admit or to allow it to be seen that, hey, for humans, it's a process that they're going through. It's a struggle. They're getting better. You know, I got a three-year-old, and she is in process of potty training. It's a process. If you've potty trained a little kid, guess what? 
it gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> right? I mean, that's true. Because at least you have a diaper to control things. Right? But when you start thinking about growth and maturity, the diapers come off and now you don't have a diaper. Right? So now when there's a mess, there's actually a mess. Well, we go through these phases in our growth and our maturity where we got all this protection around us and it starts to come off and God's like, okay, I'm going to help you to grow and move forward. And now, oh, you know, now I'm making a real mess out of life. Right? But it's okay because it's just a part of the process of growth. It's a part of the process of becoming more like him. And we can't be embarrassed or ashamed of that. So he's, oh, you failed. Yes, I failed. But the only reason I failed is because I'm trying. Like I'm moving forward. This is, a, oh, your family's a mess. Yeah, my family's a mess. But the only reason that you know they're a mess is because we're trying to move forward. We're trying to get better. This is who we are. We're moving this direction. We're not hiding out. We're just engaging life. And the more we're open to do that, the more people can identify and go, do you know what? I think I could maybe step into that process and become a part of that. Maybe, you could, maybe I could do that. You know, if you're going to join the Marines or you're going to join the Air Force or something, and the first day, the first thing you're going to do is jump out of a plane with a gun into enemy territory, right? Sign up on Wednesday. You'll be jumping out of planes on Thursday. Who would sign up for that? Nobody. Like, I don't even know how to do that. But you sign up, what, for boot camp. And you go through boot camp, and then you get better, and you get better, and you get better, and then someday you're jumping out of a plane and trying to do something. But sometimes in faith and Christianity, we have this, this false illusion that I signed up for camp and now, boom, I'm it. I'm, 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 I'm the guy. I'm the gal. I can do it all right. Like, show me a Bible verse. Watch this. I can name it and claim it and do it. Boom. I'm a... and we're out here doing that, but then back in the, our own private lives, we're like, oh, I still struggle. But I can't tell anyone because I'm supposed to be great. But it's okay to be in process. Okay, so this is the groundwork. This is the ground floor of what we're talking about. Okay, so let's go from there. Genesis 3, 9 through 11. Talk about a couple people who screwed up. Anybody ever screwed up? Anybody ever screwed up real bad? How about this? Has anybody ever screwed up where it impacted other people's lives in some significant way? Okay, well, here's the poster children for that. The greatest screw-uppers of all time that screwed it up for all of us. Still, thousands of years later, we're all suffering under their screw-ups. That's how bad it was. Horrible. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Just think about it for a minute. They had everything perfect. The Garden of Eden, everything was set, no interference from outside people bothering them like god made them he gave them all authority and be fruitful multiply fill the earth everything is yours just don't eat from that one tree right there but everything else is yours and what do they do they go and screw it up like all of this i think i want that and then they go and they mess everything up and guess what it's in the bible the first people that God makes, and he makes them perfect in the perfect environment, he's starting this amazing story of God that stretches over all the generations and over all of life. He's writing this beautiful story, and he starts it out with, I made two people, and they totally screwed everything up and blew it. Who made them? God. If you make something, do you want everybody to know that it didn't turn out very good? Nope. Not really. 
But God puts the first two people that he made on display and says, hey, I made two people and they screwed up. And you know what? When you talk to unbelievers sometimes, people that don't know God, guess what they question? One of the questions is, how can we believe? Why would God allow people to make choices that screw everything up? Like, we don't believe in a God that would allow that because he allowed them to make a choice that caused all this chaos. So that's not a very good God. Anybody ever heard that before? Okay, well, God put their story out there even though he knew not only would it make them look bad, but it would make him look bad. And that people looked down on him, but he wasn't afraid. He said, this is it. My process with humanity is going to be something that's going to take work. It's not going to look pretty at times. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be failures. But guess what? I'm going to open the book, and I'm going to include all this so that people can see that there's a process. And so right from the beginning, God starts out this way with openness and vulnerability and a lack of perfection and says, this is how it's going to be. And it's okay if everybody knows it. What about your own life? How much more freeing would you live if it was okay for you to just say, do you know what? This is my life. It's not perfect. It's a bit of a mess. And yet, I'm in process right now, moving forward. It's not before and after. It's before enduring. And right now, I am enduring, trying to make it. That's what I'm doing. Praise God for it. Let's do it together. How about we do it together? Two are better than one. If one falls down, the other one can lift them up. That's what the Bible says, right? Okay. But if you, the other person never knows you fall down, how can they help you up? Right? You're like walking up the mountain and you hear a noise behind you. Hey, are you okay? I'm fine. Okay, I'll keep going. And then you're laying back there on the side of the rock, half broken, wondering, what, nobody ever helps me. That's because every time they ask, you say you're fine. Maybe just say, I'm not fine, I'm broken. Help me. I don't want them to have to come back and get me. But that's the point. Because there may be a point where you're ahead of them and they fall down and they have to come back and get you. It's a, it's a process moving forward. And that could be financially, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is. Right? You're having a struggle. It's a challenge. You know, take Mandela and Jennifer. They adopted three kids at the same time. All under three. Right? Every day you wake up, you thought, boy, this was the easiest thing we ever did. Right? So, here, so here's a process, okay? No, no kids, right? Driving a car, boom. Lots of kids, driving a minivan, overnight. All the kids running around going crazy, right? At least when you have kids naturally, right, you go through the phase where they're like laying there. For months, Right? And you can gear up towards this thing. Like, someday they're going to start moving. What are we going to do when they move? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we should put things in the plug-ins. Maybe we should cover the light sockets. Oh, let's try that. Okay, are they moving yet? No, they're still laying there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you literally go in the night to check on them because you laid them down and you're afraid that they might not have even moved their head so they might be suffocating, right? Because they're not even, they can't just lift their head and breathe. Like, Okay. And slowly they start to wiggle, and you're like, oh, they're wiggling. What do we do? I don't know. Hand them something. <laughs> you're going through this whole process, and eventually they get up and run around. But you're ready for it because you built your way there. They, they just, boom, three, ready to go. <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> Automatically outnumbered. Right? Okay. But the way it plays out to everybody else, okay, is no family, family. Oh, look, we're the happy family with the smiley picture. We just adopted three kids. Oh, we're the poster child for being awesome people. 
Wow, put it online, boom. Wow, look at them. They doubt the three kids. Why can't we do that, honey? Because you're not very good at organizing and helping people. Yep, you don't even cook. Well, we could if we were... But their family's so awesome. But I would bet, and I don't know because I haven't done it, but I would bet that if we hid in their closet, <laughs> just for 24 minutes, not even hours, we would probably hear and see things that let us know that they are in process. <laughs> right? Because that can't be easy. Right? No matter how much you smile or look good doing it. It's not easy. And yet what we don't often see is we don't often see what's going on behind the scenes to bring the picture that we see. Take the Snailums. I took a picture of Silas up here doing communion. They got three of their kids up here leading worship and doing communion and everything. And, and Donnie's up here. It's like, man, the whole family's like, perfect, amazing. In their case, it's true, but I'll move on. Um, everybody just popped out that way. It was easy. It's a breeze. But you know, this probably took some work, right? It wasn't all easy. There's been some challenges. There's been some difficulties, right? If you talk to them, not everybody always thought they were the best parents, right? So it's a process of growth and change and learning and being a part of things. And so this is how God wants us to work. And he shows it to us right off the way with Adam and Eve. He's like, hey, here's my first two. And they're a mess. But that's okay. Why does he share that with us? Why? Because it's supposed to bring us hope, not discouragement. Hope. That even the first two messed up people God didn't give up on, he came down and he made some clothes for them and covered up their shame and their brokenness. And then he began to put uh, this entire path of salvation together to bring people back to him, he immediately started working on, hey, I'm still in this. I'm not giving up. So when you've screwed up, messed up, even impacted other people's lives, you don't have to hide like they hid. You can turn around and go, if I just come out with it, then God is going to be for me and begin to take care of my shame and my guilt and help me and love me and care for me moving forward. If I just come out with it, I don't have to hide out. So he goes and finds them. But here's the verse. It says, but the Lord God called to the man and he said to him, where are you? Where are you? As if he didn't know. Like playing hide-and-go-seek with your kids. They're hiding in the middle of the floor. Where are you? <laughs> they think if their eyes are closed, you can't see them. Not true. Hey, where are you? Or playing hide-and-go-seek with your teenagers. Where are you? Um, I'm at work. Oh, Life360 on my phone says you're not at work. Oh, shoot. I forgot about Life360 on my phone. Hide-and-seek. We found you. There it is. But God found him. And he says, where are you at? And here's his response. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God says, who told you that you were naked? They didn't know. They had no reference for that. They had no reference for good and evil. They had no reference for any kind of shame or anything because they were just living in the goodness and the glory of God. But here, they've done something that stripped that away. Now, when they're talking about nakedness, they're not just talking about not having clothes on, although that is naked. But have you ever felt emotionally naked? Like you got clothes on, but you just feel very vulnerable because you've done something and you think everybody can see who you really are or see what your problems really are? Okay, this is the nakedness, the bigger nakedness that it's talking about. Okay, they were already naked and all were naked, so we're hiding. 
But before they were clothed with the glory of God, there was a goodness of God on them. There was this innocence. And when that was taken away and they realized, like, wow, we are capable of doing bad stuff. Like, I'm not just clothed in that anymore. I'm exposed. I'm naked. I'm vulnerable. You can see the core of me, and there's some stuff in there that's not good. And they're hiding out from that. And so he comes, he covers them. And he says, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to? So, but here he's having dialogue with them. He's talking to them. Maybe you've had some mess ups and some screw-ups in your life, and God is, you can feel that God is trying to find you. And you're hiding out. And you know you're hiding from God. You don't want to do prayer time. You're not in the Word. You don't want to talk to anybody else about what you're going through because, I don't know, I'm just struggling in shame or guilt, and I don't really want to be found. But the purpose of God finding you is so that God can restore you and help you. And so just come out and be found. He's for you. We sang it today. He's for you. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's looking for you to bring restoration and to help you out of your problem. Genesis 16, 8. The story of Hagar. She had ran off with her child. She'd been thrown out of her, out of her village that she was living in, her community. They have no this child, or her master had thrown her out, and she's got her child, and they're on the run. They're going to die. They have no food, no water, no anything, and she's just escaping. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? So again, God comes with a message, not just of condemnation, and not even just saying, I already know, but literally asking questions that he already knows the answer to. Why? Why ask a question that you already know the answer to? My wife could tell you. She wants to tell the story, right? Like she starts to say something, and, she, and I'm like, I already know this. And she's like, well, I know. I just want to tell the story. And so she just wants to be heard. She just wants to be seen because that, that process, that interaction adds value. And so when God comes to us, he wants to give us an opportunity to begin to speak and tell our story. So she has the chance to say, you know what, I had to leave this other place and run. And now we're on our way. And this is where I'm at in the process. And I feel like we're just going to die soon. Everything's over. We have no hope, no future. And she's telling the story. And then God comes and he, and he actually participates in the story, has the dialogue, and then he changes it and says, no, I'm going to give you a future. Go back there and I'm going to bless your son. I'm going to give you a future. But it all comes in the sharing and the interaction around the story, not of the finished product of her son being blessed, but the story being shared in the middle where she's still in the struggle. She's still fleeing. She still thinks it's not going to work out. She's not sure what to do. And yet right there and then is when the story interaction begins. And God wants to interact with us in the middle of our story, when we're still in the middle of the struggle, when it hasn't been solved, when there isn't a solution. And he wants us to be open, just like he is open here. And he says, you know what, here's a story of someone that I interact with. I'm going to let you see the middle that's going on. Why? Because he wants us to have hope when we are in the middle. Not just when we're at the beginning or the end. Because we're going to spend the majority of our life in between the beginning and the end. That's where it all happens. Right? There's a beginning of the book and there's an end of a book. And in between that, there's a whole lot of book. There's a beginning of a movie and there's an end of a movie. But in between that, there's a whole lot of movie. Like, that's the bulk. That's where things happen. 
And so God wants us to know that I'm involved in the middle. I'm involved in the messy middle of life. That I'm still there. I'm participating. I want to be involved in it. And when we open up and share that with others, they can be able to have a hope that God wants to be involved in their messy middle, not just in their ending. My dad talked to a guy who was leaving Kentucky Fried Chicken. The mom would always send him to go get Kentucky Fried Chicken, but not for the chicken. She wanted the little chocolate cake. You may ever had those at Kentucky Fried Chicken? The little chocolate cake with all that white, clear, liquid meth poured on top. And you go get that. And he comes out with it. My dad sees him. And my dad's always trying to talk to people about Jesus. And starts talking to the guy. And then he says something to the guy. He saw a Bible in the guy's car. And he says, oh, so you, so you know the Lord? And the guy's like, nope. And he's like, no. He's kind of shocked. He's like, no. He says, what do you mean? The guy's like, yeah. He goes, I'm not ready yet. He's like, what do you mean you're not ready yet? He goes, I'm working on myself. This is true. He says, I'm working on myself. I'm getting ready. I'm trying to fix a few things, trying to get some things better because I want to be able to come and know the Lord. So he's reading his Bible. He's working on himself. He's trying to get himself ready to have faith so that when he actually gives his life to the Lord, he can be the good guy that he's supposed to be when he's a Christian. But he won't give his life to the Lord yet because he isn't ready. Right? A lot of us do that whether it's to get saved or it's just to step forward in the things that God's calling us to do. Right? I can't do that yet because I'm not ready. I can't open my home for a small group or to have hospitality and invite people over because my life and my family isn't perfect enough yet that I can't let people come into that, so I gotta get ready. I gotta get ready and all my stuff's gotta be perfect before I can help lead in any area or serve. I can't help with kids yet because my kids aren't perfect. I can't help with this because that's something. Like I, once I'm ready, I'll be ready. But the problem is that the actual doing of it is part of what builds us up and gets us ready. It's what causes us to grow. And so my dad, talking to that guy, he said, well, have you ever heard of the thief on the cross? He's like, well, yeah, you know, I guess. He says, what did he do to get ready? What did he do? He looks over, Jesus is talking to him, and he just says, hey, remember me. And that was enough. That was enough. He says, I'm not just going to remember you, but today you'll be with me in paradise. Right there in the middle of his mess, right there in the middle of his problem. He's in the middle of, he's literally, he's there dying. He's going through the struggle. He didn't say, okay, well, if you can get down, you can get some things in order. You can get to a better finished product, and I might be able to take you in to be part of my discipleship team, and then you could be one of my guys. And if you're one of my guys, and then you do enough good things, you might get up there and be able to see me. No, he just says, you know what? Let's go. God invites us to come in the middle of where we're at. And people do not believe that about the church. They don't believe that about God. They don't believe that about faith. They think in order to come, they have to get right first. And they have to be ready first. It's like going to the mechanic and having to have my car running perfect before I drive in. Couldn't let a mechanic know that I got an engine problem. He would think I don't know how to take care of my car. Well, that's kind of the point of the mechanic, isn't it? You're just supposed to drive in with an engine problem. Right? My wife does this. She cleans our house before the house cleaner comes. 
Sometimes we have a house cleaner come because we have like a billion things going on in our house and it's hard to keep up with that. So sometimes the house cleaner comes and guess what happens? I'll see her frantically cleaning the house. I'll say, what's going on? She goes, the cleaner's coming in a couple hours. <laughs> what are we doing? Are we cleaning the house before the cleaner comes? Yes. So she cleans, and then the cleaner cleans things she didn't clean, but she cleans it before she cleans. But we could do that with God. We want to overclean before he even comes in. Lord, let me fix myself before you fix me. Let me cleanse my sins before you cleanse my sins. Let me get the big ones out of the way. Then you can work on the little stuff. He wants to come in and work on it all. But people outside the church think that they have to come into the church cleaned up enough to be able to belong in the church so that then we can help them with the little stuff. But God wants them to come in as they are so that he can work with them as they are so that he can move them towards what he's called them to be. And we've got to be open and ready and available to do that. And the only way for them to know that that's possible is if they know that the people inside have similar stories. That's the only way they know. That's why we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb is the work that Christ did. The testimony tells other people that this is how it works. You just come in like that. But I'm a mess. I know, you can come in like that. And he'll work with you. It's amazing. So Hagar's going through this situation. And he says, where are, you, where are you coming from and where are you going? He wants to know the journey. Not just where are you, but where are you going? Like, what was your struggle? Where are you at? Where are you headed? And God wants to work with us in these ways. And he includes her in there. Mark 10, 50 to 52. This is a blind man. He throws off his cloak and Bartimaeus jumped up and he comes to Jesus. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, said the blind man, let me see again. So the guy come running to Jesus out loud in front of the crowd. Blind Bartimaeus in the Bible is actually calling out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd's saying, be quiet. Don't talk like that. Be quiet. The master's coming. Don't talk like what? Don't yell that you have a need. Don't yell that you're struggling. Don't yell that there's a problem. The master's coming, and we want to look like the best crowd ever. Like we're the best fans. Everybody's got their foam fingers and their T-shirts on, and we're ready. We're just going to be shouting Hosanna. Okay, everybody ready? He's coming. It's Hosanna. But I'm sick. But I can't see. But I've got a, a demon inside of me. I'm possessed. I've got a problem. I'm like, shh, don't tell the master. We want him to know we're great. So Jesus comes along. People are saying, be quiet, be quiet. Don't talk about it. And this guy's like, no, have mercy on me. Help me. And he says, what do you want me to do? And he says, help me see. And so go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus along the road. He got his sight and he followed Jesus. Boom, before and after, right? Like one minute he cried out. And the next minute, perfection. Right? But that's not the real story. Because this is a blind man. Guess what? He'd been blind for a long time. So guess what he didn't have besides sight? He didn't have a job. He didn't have money. He didn't have a way to make a living. He didn't have a trade. He didn't have a way to care for himself. So suddenly he can see, which means that instantly his life of begging, which is where he got his money, was over. Yet he has no other way to provide for himself, no other way to care for himself. He begins to follow Jesus around. So the real story is a little more complicated than the before and after. 
There's a before and during because he got his eyes, and now he's going to have to learn, how do I provide for myself? How do I get a job? How do I take care of me? People are going to expect more of me now, too, because I can see. I couldn't see before, so people just had pity on me, but now they're going to expect me to do something. And I don't even know how to do something because I've never had to. Now I'm trying to grow and change and expectations are growing and things, all this stuff's going on that happens now in his life as he comes to know. Well, when we come to know Jesus, when we give our life to Jesus, we were this way and now we're, God's given us the sight to like, oh, I need to live like this. It's different. And now everybody's going, expectations are coming on us and people are wanting us to live a certain way and do certain things. And we're like, I don't even know how to do this yet. I'm just trying to grow. I'm just trying to change. And so people need to know that there's room to do that. There's room to grow. There's room to learn. There's room to become, not just to be. What's your story? What is your story? Not, not, not the perfect Christian story, not the one that already has a bow on it. What is your story? Like as it's being written, as you're living it right now, like if you're just honest, this is my story. This is what's happening. This is what's going on. What's it look like? If you could really just sit down and there's nobody like to, to judge it, nobody to, to try to put you down for it or condemn you for it, you're know, like, this is just what I'm going through. This is my story. This is what's happening. This is where I came from. This is where I'm at. This is where I hope, hope to be going. What would that really look like? What would you really be sharing? That's the type of openness and vulnerability that people need to be able to see in our life in order for them to say, this is where I can also find hope. This is where I can also be connected. This is where I can also know Jesus. They can see the process of it happening. My kids aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. My job's not perfect. I got a nice house, but... I missed my payment last month. I'm hoping I have enough money to make it through the next month. I mean, you know, but we try to make everything perfect. Oh, you're moving out of, you're moving out of the beautiful house into that, that little trailer. Why are you doing that? Well, we decided to downsize. We just want to live small. Oh, if that's true, great. But if it's because you lost your job, you lost your job because you can't stop drinking, and you went to work drunk, like, you don't have to be afraid to share your story so nobody's going to ever want to talk to me again because I lost my big house and I got an alcohol problem. No, that's part. This is where I'm at. Can you walk with me through this and help me move forward in life and help me to pick up the pieces and do this together? That's what God wants us to be able to do with each other. It doesn't mean that we always have to live in the struggle, but it's how you get through it. And when you fall, someone can pick you up and you can move through it because you're working together. And you're able to move ahead. There's an African proverb. This isn't in the Bible. It's an African proverb, but it's one that I've always remembered when I did business and business coaching and ran some teams and stuff. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. But yeah, it slows you down to be in community and to share your story and to walk things through than it is, I'm just going to do it my own way and pick myself up by the bootstraps. It kind of slows you down to be in a... But you can go farther because when one is weak, the other is strong. When one falls, the other picks them up. When I, it's, it's this ongoing process of life that you go through together. That's what God wants us to be able to do. Here's a verse out of 1 Peter. It's not on the slide, but I'm just going to share it. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be shaken. 
But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Sanctify means to set apart, set aside and set apart. So put Christ as Lord. Make a place in your heart where this is Christ as Lord. Always, now check this out, always be prepared to give a defense to anyone. Other translations say an answer. To give an answer or a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. Why would someone need to ask you why you have hope? Because some of the circumstances in your life don't indicate that you should have hope. Otherwise, your life would be obvious. Of course they have hope. Their marriage is perfect. Of course they have hope. Their body is perfect. Of course they have hope. Their kids are perfect. Of course they have hope. They have all the money they need. But if somebody has to ask you why do you have hope, it's because they're looking at your life and they're a little bit confused. You seem to have problems... And yet you have hope. Where is it coming from? And to be ready to give an answer. That yes, you're seeing the struggle, you're seeing the process, but God is in it. God's moving forward. Yeah, you're looking through the little window and you see that the cake is all just bubbly. And it's liquid and you couldn't really eat it or frost it. But there's something happening and it's fluffing and it's growing. It's becoming a cake. Like it's, it's, in, it's growing, it's happening. God's working on me. I'm in his oven of life, and he's, he's creating something. He's doing something. This is my hope, that God is at work in me. This is what God wants us to be able to do. So I'm put this up again today. Um, I'm going to have Pastor Art come up here in a second and pray um, and have some cards passed out. I did pass out cards uh, last week, and they were bad, defective cards. Do you know why? Because my card making is in process. <laughs> That's why. But there's new ones that actually work. And they were supposed to arrive next week, and they arrived last night just in time. So I'll pass these out. But first, up on the screen, we can put that QR code for the Share Your Story. Now is your chance to scan this again. This QR code takes you to a page where you can record your story in five minutes or less. That's all the max it'll give you is five minutes. So far, I have about eight stories. I'm going for like 100. Half of my eight are the Bertels. But God needs to know that more people are being in a place of hope than just the Bertels. And so well, there's a few other ones. But if you can get on and share, look, well, what am I going to share? Whatever God's doing in your life right now, whatever he's done in your life, whatever you're hoping for, whatever the process is, man, I got to hope because God's working on this. This is changing, moving forward. That's it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can't be the whole story. It's only five minutes. So just turn it on and share something. Hey, this is hope. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Okay? And as we get these recordings, here's what we're going to do. So if you guys have cards to pass out, you guys can start passing them out now. Is, uh, just make sure everybody gets a few because we're going to let them pass them out. Get, take a few. I had like 2,000 of these made. Some of them are going to you guys to pass out, and I personally am going to put out a lot of them, because I'm going to go to all these apartments around. If anybody wants to join me for that, you can message me, and I'll set up a time. We'll go do it together. But I'm going to go hit all these apartments. I'm just going to be putting these on doors, and all they say on one side, they just say, hope lives here. On the other side, they just say, life can be better, and it's a QR code. They can scan it, and that QR code will take people to a page that's just videos of people sharing their five-minute stories. That's all it is. So the, church doesn't, the, the card doesn't say come to church. The card doesn't say this is how you get saved. The card doesn't say any like big, it doesn't even say it's from a church. All it says is hope lives here, life can be better. That's it. If you can tell someone, hey, there's hope, go check out these videos. 
then you can pass out that card. If you're talking to somebody that's discouraged or depressed at work about politics, about the world, about inflation, about recession, about whatever's going on, you can say, hey, check this out. There's some people that share some stories on hope. It might encourage you. So you got to do Stand it out. Let the people's stories, our stories, begin to bring hope to people that, you know what, we might be going through a lot of different stuff, but God is at work in people's lives, and God could be at work in my life if I'll open it up to him so that he can do that. So, Pastor R, you want to come up and bring that mic? We're going to pray over these stories that y'all are recording. I know you're all waiting for the same day, which is going to make it duff on my end to try to like process all the videos, but thank you for getting them in. I appreciate it so much. <laughs> appreciate it in faith right now. I know they're all coming in. Uh, and then the, we're going to pray over the cards. So as we give them to people, that people will be able to just see those things and get hope. Amen. How many of you are happy that somebody shared their hope with you once? It's changed your life. Adam and Eve made a choice that destroyed people's lives. We have the opportunity through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony to make a choice that literally restores people's lives. That's such an easy choice to make if we can make it together. Amen? All right, Pastor, you want to pray? And then we're going to head out Amen. today. Amen. If you have one or two or three, you know, we're going to pray over them. But, you know, when I first got saved, somebody shared their story at a Long John Silver's. Got saved at a Long John Silver's because I enjoy eating the shrimp platter <laughs> with the extra crispies. <laughs> but God was there. And, you know, it's hard to share. I remember when I first started going to a Baptist church where I got saved, the guy led me. And the first thing they taught us at the Baptist church was learn how to share your testimony mm -hmm. in five minutes or less. Yeah. And so I learned how to share my testimony to people in five minutes or less, but it was hard. It was scary. Yeah. And Pastor, you're making it easy for us. That's it. He's making it easy. We can now get the technology. We didn't have video back then. So we were the video yeah. live. So this is awesome. This is an awesome, awesome thing that you can have. Maybe you're afraid to share. Man, you're going to share some hope with someone today. And that you would pray that you would share it with the right person. That the Holy Spirit would lead you to share with maybe a friend, maybe somebody at a gas station, maybe somebody at the store, maybe wherever. But listen to the Holy Ghost. And that's my prayer for you today. That we're not just taking this and putting them in our pocket and forget about them. But that we could say, Lord, I got these three. There's somebody out there that you want me to give it to. Right. Like that young man that shared his testimony. He was from New Mexico. I don't even know. But he doesn't even probably know what happened to me. Mm. And he has a part of everything that I've done. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, if you have it, I want you to hold it and believe. Lord, we believe you. We thank you for making this opportunity for us here that we're going to share this, Lord. Show us Holy Spirit at work, someone we talk to, something that you just put in. And just quicken our spirit to hand it to the right person. You're making it so easy, God, that we're sharing hope. We're sharing life. We're sharing different people's testimonies true encounters and experiences of what God has given us, all of us, and that we would share our story as well. And Lord, we pray this right now together, right now, as even as pastor wants to share it throughout this community, that is just going to touch the hearts of people. We pray this together in agreement. And everybody said, everybody Amen. said, Amen. Amen. Amen.
next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.